You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Previously on Smoked. I had my foot on the throttle. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Full tilt and go. And then from there you... <laughs> Drove it right into the wall. Yep. Yeah. A crash, a crash. Randy Lanier against the wall. There is no such thing, I think, as nonviolent drug crime for drug dealers. There's going to be collateral damage. I said, Mike, you know, how deep do you want to bury this man? I said, we'll need a plumber to pipe him sunlight. It was the hardest thing I've had to do ever to sit there and look at especially Randy. Why did you turn down the plea deal and, and then a no- I figured I could escape. Keep it real. Did you drive that up the go-kart? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Back in Brandy's home in Colorado, she took us into the garage, into a vintage red go-kart, built to look just like her father's old Indy car. It went fast when it was running, and we had a great time with it in college. <laughs> Some of the paint is chipped, and the go-kart hasn't exactly been used in a while, but Brandy's stenciled name is still clearly visible on the side, and it's a tangible reminder of a past 30 years in the rearview mirror. I was six or seven. And just, it was like, here's your racer? Yeah. (laughs) He just won the Rookie of the Year, and then he had this car made for me. She says somewhere in the garage is the helmet that Randy used to wear, another reminder of his hard-charging, short-lived racing career the improbable IMSA champion in 1984, the Indy 500 Rookie of the Year in 1986, and gone entirely from the scene by 1987. We did what we did. 
It was against the law. Do I agree with the law? Absolutely not, but we did. In 1988, Randy was convicted of masterminding what was, at the time, the largest U.S. pot syndicate ever prosecuted. His daughter, Brandy, was seven years old. What did your mom tell you when he got arrested or he was indicted and he ran away? She didn't. For a long time, it was he was racing. And, you know, to a little kid whose dad always traveled for work, made sense to me. So that's just what I told friends. And I was probably a teenager or maybe late into teenagehood before I really found out the true details. From that point on, Brandy understood the reality of her dad's past. But that didn't make it any easier to talk about. I think I told maybe very, very few select friends throughout high school or middle school. And even then, I I don't think I gave them the real whole story. Those thoughts paralleled what Gene Fisher has said. Fisher, you might remember, is the guy who handled the barge for Randy's operation. The effects on my young son, they have a scar from seeing their father or grandfather go and be branded as a criminal. Here's Fisher on his Voices of the Cannabis War radio show. The greatest fantasy that you live for is being able to get out of prison and come home. Unfortunately, so many prisoners lose families and friends because of long-term incarceration. So much has changed around marijuana since Randy was sent to prison in politics, legalization, and cultural acceptance. Marijuana, big, big business in Colorado these days. It is an outdated... Near Brandy's home now are marijuana dispensaries, concrete evidence of how Colorado helped to lead the way for legalization. In 2012, its residents passed Amendment 64, which made recreational pot legal. But inside her home is proof of just how long that took to happen. That's a nice picture. Oh, that's yeah, that's my mom and my dad in the 80s wearing that same shirt that's in the bedroom. The shift in attitude raises questions about a criminal justice system that appears increasingly out of step with our modern moment and how society now thinks about those previously incarcerated for marijuana. But when Randy was convicted in 1988, he saw one way out. And it was self-made. I thought I was determined enough and had enough confidence in myself that I could figure it out. And if it wasn't through the courts, it would be through a tunnel, a wall, or whatever device I could come up with. From the Miami Herald and McClatchy Studios, this is Smoked. I'm Amy Driscoll. I'm Alex Harris. And this is Part 5. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. 
Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Life is more important than material things. You don't need all the gold. Throughout the early 90s, the style of anti-drug PSAs might have changed, but the war on drugs messaging remained the same. You make a lot of money and you make it fast, you get busted, you go straight to a jail cell, man. Ultimately, the Illinois investigation that took down Randy's company led to the convictions of more than 250 people. For overseeing the operation, Randy was sentenced to life in prison, and then concurrent 40- and 5-year sentences for distribution and tax fraud. And in Florida, he still faced the indictment over his involvement with the transatlantic smuggling ring. That case was um, shrimp boats being brought into South Florida with marijuana. I got thrown into the mix uh, with these smugglers, and I let it go at that. He already had a life sentence, so Randy decided to just plead guilty. I mean, again, you know, with somebody like Randy, his uh, auto racing skills and so forth, If uh, he hadn't been indicted in the other case, uh, it would have been interesting to see how it would have ultimately resolved itself in my case. Lothar Gengi was the lead prosecutor for that case in Florida. With that kind of a sentence, we just agreed to take some kind of a plea and time served, you know, as far as we were concerned. But the former race car driver who always looked for that one small opening on the track had the same strategy when it came to getting out of prison. They brought me to Miami. And because I had life, a 40 and a 5 running consecutive, my lawyers was able to plea bargain an agreement that if I agreed to plead guilty to one count of conspiracy to racketeer, they'll give me a five-year running concurrent with my life sentence. So I had one little request, and I would accept the deal. And that is I wanted to pay 1,500 New Balance running shoes at court when I pled guilty. The judge never heard anything such absurd as wanting a pair of shoes to plead guilty to a five-year prison sentence, but he granted it. And the prosecutors agreed, and I walked into court, pled guilty, and they gave me a brand new pair of 1,500 running shoes. I wanted them to help me get out. (laughs) During his early years behind bars, Randy told us his legal team filed repeated appeals. And while those worked their way through the courts, 
Inmate number 0496. 0496-1069. It's like sizzled in. Had his own plans. I wasn't planning on dying in prison. I just, I, just not something I wanted to do. When I would arrive, I'd probably start looking right away of any possibilities that someone may have missed. Escaping is what he means. I had multiple plots throughout my 27 years that I got pinched on several of them. Randy had some truly audacious plans, from running shoes to vending machines. That was one of my plans. When I first got into the institutions, they had vending machines in the unit that I lived in. And you thought, I mean, did, did they take the vending machines out sometimes? No, I was going to break it. So they would have to have a repair come in, but the repair was going to be my people. I had a plan. Another time, Randy spent years literally digging his way out. You weren't like tunneling out like El Chapo or well, something, were you? Actually, there was a tunnel in one of these prisons. Did they find it? Nope. Might still be there? Guess so. He wasn't the only member of his former drug ring trying to make a break for it. Ben Kramer, also looking at life behind bars, made headlines with a sensational attempt of his own. The pilot and one prisoner barely survived the crash of the two-man helicopter, which slammed into the ground as it tried to hoist the inmate out of the maximum security yard. A Miami TV station, Channel 4, reported Kramer's attempt to hang onto the helicopter as a friend flew him to freedom. The twisted wreckage lies piled in an exercise yard at the Federal Correction Center southwest of Miami. The, pilot the chopper caught a rotor blade on the prison's barbed wire fence and hit the ground hard. Kramer broke one leg, the pilot broke two. Kramer was convicted of drug trafficking in 19... Back to the TV report. We were continually concerned about him, as we are a number of other inmates who are facing considerable sentences and who also have the means to attempt something like this. <laughs> did, you, did you know what had happened? Yes. How'd you find out? The day that he did it, they locked me up. <laughs> I was coming out of the visiting room, and they put me in the, in the hole. And that's where this gets darker. Solitary confinement goes by many names, including segregation and the hole. But no matter what you call it, Randy spent a lot of time in there. And one particular time was a two-year stay for an escape investigation in Florence, Colorado. So those two years, you know, seven by 10 gives you time to reflect and uh, contemplate. In 1980, there were 330,000 inmates in U.S. state and federal prisons. I don't have to tell you how bad conditions were only a few, a year ago. I don't have to remind you of the growth in crime, the increase in violence, and the gang killings. The war on drugs helped double that number by 1990. And by 2000, Randy was one of nearly 1.4 million people incarcerated. We mean to end their profits, imprison their members, and cripple their organization. As waves of new inmates arrived, prisons often turned to solitary confinement as a management tool. Today, people across the country are debating the effects of that on prisoners. But whatever its future, Randy knows about its past all too well. I quit celebrating birthdays decades ago. In one of my stints in solitary confinement, I come to the understanding that I didn't need a calendar. I don't want to watch for a reason. I come to understand that it didn't matter how long they kept me in the hole. They'll open that door when they open the door. If they don't open it, guess what? My chess game can get better. I could play blindfolded, all right? That's just how you can develop things. That's, you know. And as hard as it was on inmates, 
It also was rough on family members like Brandy, who growing up usually saw her dad on spring breaks and summer holidays. Um, yeah, went all over the country pretty much, Wisconsin and uh, Indiana, Florida for a long while. You lose your freedom too. Once you cross the threshold of the door from the outside into a federal penitentiary, your rights go as well. So they have the right to search you or escort you out at any point in time for any reason or no reason. Tell us like what, like you would walk in the door and you would, mm -hmm. you would not be able to touch your dad or you'd have to sit across a table. How did that work? Um, it really depended in the smaller facilities in the beginning when it was just a Illinois jail. A lot of the times it was through plate glass windows, so you're both on telephones. Bigger facilities, not in solitary confinement, you can go into a visiting room where there'll be multiple plastic tables and chairs all bolted to the ground throughout the room and you'll be assigned to a certain area, a certain table. And um, I flew to a medical facility in Missouri when he had a hip replacement to visit him after surgery because I was the closest family member. And I got denied the first day and I don't really remember why. I'd like to say it was because of his security measure. I think maybe he was maximum and the hospital facility was medium. But yeah, you just run that risk and you fly all that way or drive all that way. But I mean, that's what you do when it's your loved one. Three laps to the green flag. So let's take a look at the starting field for the 72nd running of the 500. As Randy learned the harsh realities of life behind bars, the rest of the world moved on. Bobby Rahal, the 86th champion on the inside of the seventh row. In 1988, his rookie speed record was broken at the Indy 500. And the fastest rookie ever at the 500, Dominic Thompson. Even those most connected to Randy's racing career put Blue Thunder behind them. So he actually became a classic because he's an IndyCar driver and, oh, look at this, so they could make a big example out of him. Keith Layton had been Randy's crew chief for Blue Thunder and had initially followed him to Indianapolis in 1985. I'd got a deal going with March where I could run the March factory team... So my future was kind of being put aside somewhere else. And then by November, I was in England building the cars for the following year. Once the feds came calling, Randy's Blue Thunder team disappeared almost as quickly as it had once appeared. And little was left of Randy's legacy as a race car driver. There was also nothing left of the company or the lifestyle it gave his family. Our property was seized in about 87 to 88. I don't remember the, the true details, but my mom moved a lot of furniture from the Colorado house to Florida. And then that was it. We just never came back until I moved back here 11 years ago. With plenty of time to reflect, Randy says he began to question the way he looked at everything, himself included. Uh, it didn't, didn't happen immediately. I identified myself as a race car driver and a drug smuggler, I guess. But we can become aware of it and change the way we think and change our behavior. When did you decide you needed to change who you identify as? Well, over a decade ago, I started kind of just changing the way I look at things. And it took me a long time to come to an understanding of forgiving everybody that was involved with my case. I had 64 witnesses, so it took me a minute to understand that I needed to forgive myself and everybody else. Randy says that was one of the hardest parts of his journey. The confidence and tenacity that drove his incredible success wasn't the kind of attitude that easily lets bygones be bygones. When you're in that business, you take an oath. What you say here stays there. 
and that's kind of how we all thought it was. But it didn't turn out to be that way. But you kept the oath. I kept the oath. And why was that? Maybe I had some, my priorities maybe in the wrong place. He looked forward to phone calls with his family and the letters he would exchange with Brandy. They was the only option for many years. He got a phone call, sometimes it was only 15 minutes and sometimes, you know, once a week or once a month, depending. That was the main source of communication for long years. And then towards middle school and high school, it was fun to correspond that way, writing letters back and forth. What did you guys talk about in the letters? When I was young, you know, it was more childhood things, what was going on at the barn or with family or at school. Um, And then when I got older, it was a lot more of just what was going on in college. And when I was 21, I started to ask him what it was like when he turned 21 because he was already, you know, very, very wealthy, hired a, a Learjet and took friends to Vegas. So very different than going to the local bar in college on a college student's budget. So I just thought it was really interesting, really fun. I was really intrigued. And uh, he started writing me more and more about his story from 2001 on. As Randy worked hard to be a good father to Brandy, he found new ways to think about himself behind bars. First as a runner. So <laughs> Even if he acknowledged that started out as more than just exercise. Leavenworth, Leavenworth had 40-foot walls, and I'd run all the way upside the wall and around, back around the walls. It's in between that, it's a soccer field slash softball field. Yeah, I was keeping fit in my mindset that I would need it if I ever got over or through or under a wall. As in racing, Randy remained super competitive. Who is the Blue Thunder racing team? Everyone's now wondering who can stop the Blue Thunder racing team. Even if he only had himself to compete against. Back when he'd hit the wall in Michigan at 214 miles per hour, Randy was covering a mile roughly every 20 seconds. In prison, he got so he could do it on foot in five and a half minutes. 50, 75 miles a week running, so I kind of kept myself fit and worked out a lot. As the years passed, running began to wear on him, maybe compounded by the injury from the Michigan crash. So Randy taught himself to paint, at times using the prison's plastic knives as brushes. When I was in prison, I came to understand that I'm free when I'm painting. He talks about painting with the same mindfulness he reserves for one of his greatest highlights on the track. And I know I taught myself out of books by completely studying and applying oil on canvas. So I developed a skill. But the art part comes in when I get in the moment of painting, and I'm in the painting. There's no worries. There's nothing but that moment. And it's extraordinary. By the mid-2000s, Randy was at the Federal Correctional Complex in Coleman, Florida, in the center of the state, about a four-hour drive from Miami. There, the former race car driver and drug smuggler reinvented himself as something entirely new, a mentor. For my last nine years in prison, I was a volunteer suicide companion. I also was a a mentor. The the psychology department approached me and asked me if I would come over and do move into the special unit that they was starting up. And the unit was all about change, recidivism, trying to get people to change their habits, change the way they think. Most of the time, What I saw were inmates becoming more thoughtful, more considerate, less violent, more harmonious kind of people. This is Javier Mariz. 
He's the psychologist who led Randy's program, which he said had some pretty stunning results. They've come in in some kind of contemplative state about whether they should change their ways. And it grew on them most of the time. And there were inmates in there, gang members who wouldn't, for example, look at me, say hello, shake my hand, anything like that. But by the end, you know, they were going to give me a hug at the, uh, on the completion date. <laughs> Self-discovery wasn't what Randy signed up for, but it's what he walked away with. They told me if I would do a one-year program, intense, a lot of group sessions, one-on-ones, I would get a, a letter of completion and they would lower my custody and send me to a medium facility, medium custody. My first intentions were, in the back of my head, medium security. I'll get my ass out of one of these prisons eventually. Now, this might be my door. But after my one year of there staying and talking to a lot of these therapists and stuff, I started getting a better understanding of who I am. So the one year ended up being eight more years that I stayed and became a mentor with the people that were coming in and tried to help them see that they can change. You're not being a blessing. From day one, he was really a mentor because he, he already had the values of the program. So it, the program just helped him to play it out more and sharpen it. I asked him to run groups. I asked him to, to talk to inmates and just be there as a calming presence. Mariz said Randy had changed a lot in his decades behind bars, even before the program. He was already a guy who could bridge the divide across different groups with Hispanic inmates, black inmates, white inmates, every religion, every group, everybody. He had a really easygoing style with everybody. So imagine living in a situation where there's tension between groups and, you know, half of the inmates have a weapon always. And yet you have this friendliness about you. You didn't lose your humanity and you could still be a good guy in this world with staff and with other inmates. He pulled it off. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu.
Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn criminal trials for one of those candidates, young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. As Brandy showed us around her home, she told us about a canvas on the wall. It shows a long highway, stretching ahead through the darkness, to the foot of the untamed Rockies, glowing in a Colorado sunrise. I took that in the windshield of my truck on the way to Aspen with my mom to go horseback riding. The sunrise was behind us, but it made the mountains look golden, so I sent the picture to my dad, and then he painted it and sent it to me. Can you send paintings from jail? Somehow, yeah. (laughs) There's a couple more downstairs that he did, too. And every time you see one of his paintings, it's some sort of like a landscape or a... Mm-hmm. No walls. Yes, right, exactly. No walls. In his decades of incarceration, Randy had other windows to the outside world, especially its evolving relationship with the plant that had landed him in prison. NBC's Robert Bazell tonight on why this issue is such a medical and legal hot potato. And California was the first state to legalize medical marijuana in 1996. This is a so-called buyer's club in San Francisco, where hundreds of people a day gather to purchase and smoke marijuana as a treatment for various medical conditions. Alaska, Oregon, Washington, and Arizona followed suit. And by the early 2000s, the issue was being debated across the country, including in Illinois. In terms of legalization of drugs, I think the war on drugs has been an utter failure. Where a then-Illinois state senator named Barack Obama had just launched a bid for a U.S. Senate seat. And I think that we need to rethink and decriminalize our marijuana laws. But I'm not somebody who believes in legalization of marijuana. What I do believe is is that we need to rethink how we are operating in the drug wars. And I think that currently we are not doing a good job. For Randy, the shift could be measured in decades of his life. When I would read magazines and see that the movement is escalating, there's marches and people in that corner that gave me hope. With hope, you kind of... I don't have a lot to look forward to. By 2012, 17 states had legalized medical marijuana. That same year, voters in Colorado and Washington legalized recreational pot for anyone over 21. We didn't really even know what it meant, you know? Cannabis was legal. At that point, it was just like, okay, so does this mean that we can you know, drive around with it? Or can we grow it? Or can we smoke it? And, and when her phone rang... Brandy knew exactly what her dad wanted to talk about. I'm embarrassed to say it on record, but I didn't vote. And that's what the call went like. He c- 
couldn't believe it had went legal and I hadn't voted for it. It it really struck home. I probably should have voted for it, you know, looking back on it. But I didn't think that it was something that was possible that could happen. And then the day that it happened, the phone call was very much like, this is happening and you didn't vote for it. So (laughs) by then, Randy had been in prison for 25 years. In a larger sense, that call underscored just how much the culture and politics had changed since Randy went behind bars. But on an emotional level, the new laws couldn't change the damage already done to families separated by incarceration. Everyone from my wife down to my kids, uh, it was earth-shattering. Some parts of it you never get over. On his radio show, Gene Fisher once spoke poignantly about the reality of family relationships during sentences like his and Randy's. Long-term incarceration kind of totally destroys the prisoner's marriage. You've got to continually express your love for your children because the family, the kids especially, look at it as abandonment. And it is. We don't voluntarily go to prison. But by ending up in prison, we have abandoned our family. My mom has often told me how my dad's initial lawyer told him that he would adjust to daily life being incarcerated, being told where to go at what time, and you know, just the general flow of the facility. Whereas us being family members out in society, we will probably never adjust to having a family member incarcerated. Brandy's mother, Pam, declined to be interviewed for this podcast. It is not a part of our daily routine. It is a, a negative stigma that you have to deal with when talking with people, and it's, it's quite challenging in, in many different ways. We are going to have some powerful new weapons now in the battle against organized crime, and especially the drug trade. The war on drugs certainly had an impact on Brandy and her family. But did it do what the government intended? Did it really cut down on drug trafficking? If you, you're asking me, How do you keep score? Yeah, there were a lot of runs scored in in a lot of innings, but at the end of the game, did we really win the ball game? I was still fighting it. (laughs) We're still playing, unfortunately. Prosecutor Dick Gregory was part of the Reagan administration's original South Florida task force. It was a success in the sense that Washington got statistics, but I don't know that we had a profound effect on the problem. And... You know, that's really what it should have done. Looking through Brandy's house at those collector's items going back decades, we wanted to know. Did learning all this stuff make you think any differently of your dad? Um, n- no, not really. He's still the same guy, still the same dad to me. Just accomplished a lot more than, <laughs> than others. For Brandy, the T-shirts and paintings are ties to a dad with a complicated life, but a lot of love for his family. For Randy, all those past glories are tempered with the remorse he feels for the pain he caused. I didn't have my priorities in the right place. I had my family and stuff. Uh, I'm sure to put more priorities on the consequences that I, the choices that I was making was causing them a lot of despair. Would you have accepted a lifestyle that was go to work, come home, be the father, versus the life that you had. Don't regret it. No, I, I live with no regret. Just the decisions that I made, that's what I had the remorse for, what I've caused upon others, not myself. 
What for? Miss, missing Others. the kids. Missing my kids grew up, man. My, my son's 31 now. My daughter just turned 39 today. You better call her. Oh, I, I've already <laughs> called her. Okay. I've got to call her again. Nice to be able to just make that call, huh? Yes, indeed. <laughs> yep. We need to lower long mandatory minimum sentences or get rid of them entirely. Give judges some discretion around nonviolent crimes so that potentially we can steer a young person who's made a mistake in a better direction. By 2013, Barack Obama was in his second term as president and rethinking some aspects of the war on drugs, exactly as he'd proposed as an Illinois state senator. Under the leadership of Attorney General Eric Holder, federal prosecutors got what he called smart on crime, which is refocusing efforts on the worst offenders, pursuing mandatory minimum sentences 20 percent less often than they did the year before. Randy had watched the nation's attitudes on marijuana change for decades. He told us he wasn't bitter. He knew he'd broken the law. I don't blame no one but myself. I chose to make the decisions to do what I did and to set him blame anything on anybody else would be false. That was all me. But he also didn't want to sit in prison for the rest of his life because of it. The Obama administration's smart on crime alternative to the war on drugs offered some hope. We need to ask prosecutors to use their discretion to seek the best punishment instead of just the longest punishment. You've seen the movie The Perfect Storm? Well, this is the perfect storm. From Obama administration putting down a administrative order to look into nonviolent, first-time, lengthy sentences, especially lifers for first-time drug charges. It turned out, though, there might be another way out. Gene Fisher, one of the company leaders sentenced to life in prison, won his release in 2012. The release documents are sealed, but it was the end result of a 2010 lawsuit he brought against the government over the Bell Gardens Bicycle Club, that casino funded by Randy's drug ring. That club was built starting in 1984, coinciding with the rise of Blue Thunder. The club may have been built from drug money, but court documents say it was turning $23 million a year in legitimate profit by 1989. When prosecutors in Illinois won their case, Randy, Gene, and Ben Kramer were ordered to forfeit a combined $150 million. As part of that, the government seized the club. But instead of selling it, a Justice Department internal audit showed the government just kept running it for the next seven years. That earned the government $30 million by 1998. And Fisher's lawsuit argued the government took more cash than it was entitled to under his forfeiture agreement. So now, he said, the feds owed him money. Finally, when I got to exposing the government and its irregularities in my case, I was able to get in on a civil case, and they finally, rather than have it presented in the courtroom, they offered to release after uh, 25 years. That was 2012. Then two years later, after decades of appeals and escape plans and watching his children grow up through photos and summertime visits, Randy's life would take yet another twist. And it would take him to places he never expected. I'm Amy Driscoll. I'm Alex Harris. This podcast is produced by Kara Tabor and Davin Coburn at McClatchy Studios, and the Herald's Emily Michaud and Matthias Ochner. And thanks to Christine DiMattei at WLRN Studios. For lots more on this story, including a look at how medical marijuana is grown, go to miamiherald.com slash smoked.
To continue supporting this kind of work, consider a digital subscription to the Miami Herald. Visit miamiherald.com slash subscribe for more information. Leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. On part six of Smoked, a whole new world. Walking into a dispensary made me stop and think about how grateful I am to experience the moment I'm experiencing. 33 states have some type of medical program and a ton more that are recreational. You know, it's just a matter of time where this is no longer a state's rights issue. I single-handedly bankrolled both of the constitutional amendments. First go-round, every time I debated someone, I debated a sheriff with a gun. It's a blessing. I wouldn't be in the industry if I didn't have the background that I have with the plant. It was an adventure with a lot of other adventures interwoven into the adventure. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... <laughs> Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.